Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. It's a pleasure to see all of you here. And it's been a joy to be ministered to in song. Have our spirits and hearts encouraged by the hymns of uh, praise and worship and blessing to God. Well, I suppose you... uh, Still have a little room in your cup for a few words of exhortation and encouragement. You can turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. We'd like to uh, just spend a few minutes considering the life of Moses a bit and the testimony that is that the Hebrew writer gives regarding Moses, try not to uh, make it too lengthy here so that uh, we can dismiss in a convenient time for everyone to have their lunch in the choir to get around to their afternoon appointment, uh, but we'll uh, just take a few moments here and allow the Word of God to speak into our lives. Hebrews 11 Verse 24 to verse 27 is the text for this morning. It reads as follows, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I'd like to just stop there. Those uh, verses will be the the, uh, context from which we will speak. As we think about Moses here in this uh, scripture, uh, I suppose we're fairly familiar, uh, Bible students here, and we don't have to do a lot of uh, surrounding uh, uh, incidents. But we have Moses here who, as this scripture says, when he was come to years, he, uh, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And uh, we'd just like to go through these scriptures and consider a few words. I have uh, I have highlighted a few words here in these scriptures. I guess you'd call them uh, uh, words of action. <clears throat> because we do see that Moses in verse 24, he, uh, he refused and that was an active word. In verse 25, he chose... That was an active word. In verse 26, he esteemed. Uh, you know, there's some, some activity going on in his heart at least in that point. There's uh, uh, later in verse 26, we have the word respect. In uh, verse 27, we have the word forsook. And in verse 27, we also have the word endured. Uh, words that uh, give us uh, a lot to think about, just considering Moses and considering those very uh, uh, precise statements that are made about him. 
So this morning, the first point we'd like to consider as we look at Moses' life here is simply the first uh, statement in verse 24, that when he was come to years. You know, there is something about that ver- uh, that statement that all of us at some point, uh, you know, come to grips with. I trust, uh, I believe we have and, and will, if we haven't already. But we come to years. What does that mean? I think basically it means that uh, he came to a point of understanding. You know, we know that he grew up, uh, first he was nurtured by his Hebrew mother, and then he was taken as a uh, as Pharaoh's daughter and grew up in the, the palace of Pharaoh. And the, and, uh, the book of Acts, uh, I believe it tells us that he was, uh, so much to say, he was schooled in all the wisdom of Egypt. And so he had uh, he had instruction from both sides of the camp, uh, the ki- uh, the kingdom of of God, the God's people, and Egypt, which represents the world. When he came to years, you know, he probably, uh, as a boy growing up, he had he had exposure to both camps, and uh, he probably and he and he lived among the Egyptians, but he also saw the Hebrews out there slaving away as the Egyptian slaves. And uh, he probably weighed those things out in his heart. He probably weighed out the things that his, uh, his birth mother had taught him about God and about God's people. He probably uh, he evaluated life in, in the palace and, and all the uh, glitz and glamour that that contained. He probably evaluated the life of the, uh, uh, the Egyptians and, and the, the, no doubt the, the ungodliness of it. <clears throat> All those kind of things that that he was uh, uh, exposed to. And uh, as this scripture says, when he came to years, when he came to understanding, when his mind sorted its way through all of those things, and he came to a place where he recognized that you can't have one foot in Egypt and one foot in the kingdom of God. You can't have one foot in Egypt and one foot with the people of God. And he came to a place where he recognized that he has to make a choice. And you know, every one of us in our lives at some point, if we haven't already, we need to come to that place. And would to God the lines would be drawn clear enough when we come to that place that we would recognize what is Egypt and what is the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, in our America today, so often those lines are so muddied. And people don't even understand when they become a Christian that there are two kingdoms. And that there is a kingdom of darkness. And that there is a kingdom of light. And to become a Christian is to make a choice between the two. And that's unfortunate in our world today. But that's that's where a, a fair portion of Christianity finds itself. But Moses, when he was come to years, he came to a place of understanding that there are two ways. And there are only two ways. And he must choose one or the other. And he made a decision. You know, we have to come to a place of understanding that in us there dwells no good thing, as the Scripture says. We have to come to a place of understanding that the wages of sin are death, as the Scripture says. We have to come to a place of understanding that God is angry with the wicked every day, as the Scripture says. Those are things we have to come to grips with. 
We have to come to grips with the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him need not perish, but have everlasting life. That's one of the things that, as we come to years, we have to come to grips with that. And make a choice. Just like Moses faced a choice. Moses seemed to understand that there would be eternal consequences for the choice that he made. And you know, it's the same way today yet. There are eternal consequences for the choice that we make. <clears throat> for the choice, for what we choose. Moses had to come to grips with the fact that will, will he enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, as it says in this scripture, and suffer the eternal wrath of God? Or will he choose to suffer affliction with the people of God and as this scripture states it, receive the recompense of the reward. The reward of the righteous. <clears throat> when Moses was come to years. You know, when Moses came to years, he, he faced a choice and he made a choice. He chose, as this scripture says, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. You know, when we come to understanding and we realize that we need to make choices, and, you know, it actually is uh, its of such a nature that we cannot, um, we cannot stay neutral. We have to make a choice. Moses couldn't stay neutral. Moses had to make a choice. We can't stay neutral. We can't... Uh, 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 we can't push off even that, ch- that uh, choice. When, uh, when the understanding, when we come to understanding, we can no longer remain neutral. By denying and choosing not to follow Christ, we have made a choice. And so there's no neutral spot. <clears throat> and when Moses, uh, he, uh, he evaluated, uh, we, we can see very clearly in this scripture that, uh, you know, he, he obviously considered the end of both ways. Like this scripture says, he had, rec- he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You know, he was, uh, he was standing there as we would, uh, if we could just picture in our mind's eye a bit, and he, he kind of evaluates both, uh, pathways. You know, the one, uh, the one's Egypt. It's uh, pleasures of sin. And as the scripture says there, sin does have momentary pleasures. You know, to say that sin wouldn't doesn't have momentary pleasures would be a lie. It does. But, they're only momentary. They're really short-lived. And Moses, you know, he, he looked at all of that. And he, he looked at those short-lived pleasures. And he looked at, at the end of it where, like the psalm writer says, you know that Psalm 73 where he says that he was... He, he was considering the way of the wicked and his feet almost slipped. He almost thought that his own, uh, uh, the difficult journey to please, uh, to serve God was, uh, was not worth it as he considered the way of the wicked and it all seemed so good. And then it says in, down there about verse 20 or so in that psalm, it says that until I went to the house of God and then I saw their end. And that changed his mind. And so, 
like, uh, I suppose that's a little bit what Moses might have been facing. As he evaluated uh, the pleasures of sin and, and the pomp and the uh, glitz and the glamour of Egypt and everything that was around him. And then he considered their end. And then he looked at the people of God and being a, a part of God's kingdom and God's people. And out there they are toiling away as slaves. Uh, as uh, as uh, Exodus would tell us, they were... They were uh, under extreme difficult labor and, and they were being persecuted and they were suffering and, and uh, many, many uh, difficult things happening in their lives. And, and uh, Moses looked at that too. And you know, by all human appearances, we'd say, well, Moses, why in the world would you ever want to identify with a group of people who are in bondage, who are slaves, who are being harassed, who are being whipped, who are being beaten and, and made to, to, to work like crazy and work till they're half dead and all those kinds of things. But Moses understood the reward of the godly. The reward of those who choose to follow God. And he evaluated all those things. And when he came up with an equation... This scripture tells us that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. Than everything that Egypt had to offer. He considered, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God because he esteemed the reproach of Christ of greater riches. When he put them in a scale, the scale tipped in favor of the kingdom of God and the people of God, even though it involved suffering, difficulties, hardships, uh, forsaking uh, the, all the uh, pomp and, and, and glitter and glamour of Egypt. <clears throat> and I think we, I trust, I, I feel, I, I believe we know why Moses made that decision. Because the... The, this present life is indeed very short compared to eternity. And to suffer in this present life is, is, uh, is mild comparing to suffering for eternity. Like Paul in Romans 8 verse 18 tells us, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The suffering of the present time that Moses, he understood that that suffering, uh, it's not to be compared with the glory that awaits those who will follow and love the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so Moses, by his choices, he indicates to us what was most important. In his heart. And you know, we actually do the same. By our choices, we indicate what we consider to really be the most important. Is it the kingdom of God or is it Egypt? Is it the things of God or is it the things of Egypt? Is it the pleasures of sin or is it suffering with the people of God? Which do we actually consider to be of the greatest value? The most important in our own hearts. Which way does the scale tip in our hearts? 
Does it tip in favor of the pleasures of sin? And Egypt and its, its uh, glitter, glitter and glamour. Or does it tip in the favor of the kingdom of God, of suffering, of bearing reproach, of being uh, the scum of society, if you want to call it that, you know, in terms of not being uh, well appreciated. You know, the, the uh, Hebrews weren't well appreciated in their Egyptian society. You know, we live in a time when, in many ways, Christianity is not uh, hugely opposed, and yet... Um, if we're really, really a bright, shining light in this world today, the persecution is there, isn't it? So which, which way do we tend to go? Which way do our choices, uh, what, uh, what, are, what are our choices indicating about us? Because they do indicate something. They indicate what we really believe to be of value. <clears throat> and if we choose the kingdom of Christ, it's because... That's what's really close to our hearts. That's what really matters in our heart. If we choose the things of this world, it's because that's really what matters in our heart. And that's why we're making those choices. One of the things we noticed when Moses made the choice that he made, there were some things that he, he refused and there were some things that he forsook. You know, that's still the 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 uh, the the uh, call to those who will follow God today. If we're going to, like Moses, uh, make the the choice to follow God, there's things that we have to refuse, and there's things that we have to forsake for the kingdom of God's sake. <clears throat> Moses understood true eternal values. And his choices reflected those values. And when we choose true and eternal values, there are things that we have to forsake. It's things that we have to refuse. The, uh, the writer in 1 John chapter 5 verse 21, the very last, uh, verse in 1 John. John tells us this, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now just picture that a bit. It's the very last verse of a letter. If you would, have, if you would write a letter to a fellow Christian or some fellow Christians, and you would write to them about many things, and when you come to close your letter, would you write, Now, Brother, keep yourself from idols. And then fold the letter up and put it in the mail. Why did he do that? Well, I don't know why he did that. But one thing is sure. I think we all know that it's a problem, isn't it? Idols are problems. Are they problems here in America? You know, some places they, uh, you know, they'll they'll dance around a fire and and uh, all sorts of things going on in in uh, heathen worship. <clears throat> Someone has said that uh, idolatry in America is refined. 
You know, we wouldn't do the kind of things that heathen cultures do. But in our own way, America is a very idolatrous nation. Now, John wasn't writing to unbelievers. He was writing to professed believers. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We have to also, as when we make that choice to follow Christ, to be a part of His kingdom, there are things that we have to refuse and things that we have to forsake. You know, let's just think a little bit about what is an idol, you know. Uh, and why is why why would something be an idol? Let's look into the heart of it just a little bit. <clears throat> you know, when we worship God, we are attributing worth to God. You know, the songs that were sung here this morning uh, by the choir and song, we open our hymn books and they're full of songs that attribute worth to God. You know, it's like we... we uh, we take God and we put Him up here in a very important place. In fact, the most important place. So we're attributing worth to Him. We're, we're acknowledging we believe He's everything. We're putting a, in a very high value on Him. Even though He can't be valued. When we uh, attribute uh, excessive worth to something, when we attribute uh, worth to uh, something tangible in our lives, and not even just tangible, but we, we attribute a worth to it that really belongs to God. It becomes an idol to us. It becomes something that is in the place of God. And the, the interesting thing about it is, it can be a lot of things. You know, a person... Uh, can actually uh, make an idol of their own good looks. Did you know that? You know, you can stand in that mirror, spend, uh, you know, just a whole bunch of time combing that hair and making everything look just right, and the next day do it all over again, and the next day do it all over again, and life is revolving around my good looks, and I've become my own idol. Or it can be... uh, it can be my business, you know, where I just, I, I am consumed with it. And my, my driving motivation is to make it successful. And my driving motivation is to have it the best one around. And my driving motivation is to, to make sure it, it's, it's, you know, it's beating all the competition and all those kind of things. And it's where my heart is focused on. And it can be my idol. You know, it can be that pickup truck that I'm driving, that I spend all day polishing the inside and the outside of the wheels, you know. It can be an idol. It can be, uh, it can be that house that we live in, that we are just so focused on, and everything has to be just right, and everything has to be up to date, and it has to have the latest appliances, and it has to have the latest wall decorations, and all those kind of things. We can make those things our idols. It can be sports, and it can be our ability to be the best player in sports, and we can make it our idol. It's where our heart is centered in on. It can be, it can be a whole host of things. <clears throat> the, 
those things that hold a place of value in our hearts that really God alone should hold. Those things that are competing with God in having the the key focus of our hearts. Things that uh, we may need to forsake. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, probably not everything falls into the category of idolatry that we need to forsake, but uh, that's one scripture that uh, speaks to us very powerfully. You know, when uh, one of the thing, one of the, the uh, one of the things that I thought about as I'm pondering this message, when it comes to forsaking, one of the things that is a somehow is is uh, a very important subject when it comes to the kingdom of uh, of Egypt, darkness, the world, and Christ and His kingdom, and that is the subject of music. You know, both kingdoms have their music, and unfortunately, in our world today, uh, those two try to be blended together. The the the, uh, the music of uh, of the kingdom of Christ and the music of the kingdom of the world. And again, I would, uh, I would like to encourage us to sharpen our, uh, our conscience on that subject because the two don't mix. Egypt and the people of God didn't mix in Moses' day and the kingdom of Christ and the world, uh, our world that we live in today don't mix either. And I'd like to encourage us to, uh, to be convinced of that and to take a stand like Moses did and clear clear away the gray. You know, when we make a decision for Christ, make it clear. Make it clear. And, uh, you know, forsake. Forsake. Refuse the music of this world's kingdoms this worldly kingdom, and choose the music of the kingdom of Christ. There's a whole host of subjects we could put to that, but you let your mind think a little in your own experience. Where does the the rubber meet the road? Where does, uh, you know, as you walk in the kingdom of Christ, where are the deciding uh, uh, points of decision for you? Where you have to decide what to forsake. What to put away, what to uh, get rid of, because it's not uh, honoring and pleasing to God. <clears throat> like to move on. The uh, one of the things we notice here about Moses is that uh, in verse 27 it says that he endured. You know, we also. Uh, it's important that we endure. You know, life wasn't going to be easy for Moses. Life is never, uh, Christ never told us that life will be easy as a believer. He never told us that it's just going to all flow just the way you want it to. And it's going to be a, a, a downhill coast the whole way. He never told us that. In fact, he told us a bit different. That we would endure suffering. <clears throat> but Moses was steadfast. You know, we could ask the question, what did he endure in? And the word endure simply means steadfast. And I like to say that he was steadfast in his choice 
to suffer affliction with the people of God. He was steadfast in that choice of, where, of, of, of uh, who he's going to identify with. He was unwavering in that choice of who he's going to identify with. Are we unwavering in our choice to follow Christ? Are we unwavering as we, uh, you know, we've made that once and uh, uh, important decision and then as we go on to follow the Lord Jesus and as we go on through life and we face numerous obvious, you know, decisions as we go day by day, do has that one uh, purposeful decision to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, has that made such an impact in our life that it affects all those future decisions to continue to follow Christ and His kingdom and to make choices that, uh, that one would have to say, He is steadfast. He, she is steadfast. She is enduring as seeing Him who is invisible like Moses was here. He had an eternal perspective. Again, when we talk about that, uh, even though the present may have included suffering, may have included difficulties, he had an eternal perspective. And he knew God. And he knew, he understood God. And we also need to understand God. And to, uh, to follow and to endure uh, to the end. <clears throat> Just like Moses. You know, the, uh, Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. I trust and I, I, uh, I hope that we also have seen him who is invisible in our own heart and experience. That we know him. We understand him. We are walking with him. And it's that which keeps us secure in our decision. Keeps us uh, firm. In our decision, irregardless what comes our way. <clears throat> so just to re, re, to go back over the points just a little bit, you know, Moses, he was come to years. Have you come to years? Have you come to understanding? Has it been clear in your mind that there are only two ways? There are only two ways. We must choose. One or the other. And if we make that choice, make it a clear defining choice. A clear defining choice. There's hardly a more miserable place to live than to try to live with a foot in each camp. You know, a person who wants to follow God, at least half-heartedly, but also would like to have a foot in Egypt, they can never enjoy Egypt like the sinner can. Because their conscience won't let them. And it's a totally miserable place to live. Trying to enjoy both camps. And I would like to encourage us again today on this matter of a clear choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And to not be ashamed of a clear choice. 
to not muddy the waters between the two king camps and kingdoms, but to make a precise and a clear choice and to be done with Egypt and to be done with the pleasures of sin and to be done with the toys of the world and to choose Christ, to choose the kingdom of Christ, to choose the suffering and the reproach that may come with it, to choose the... Uh, the uh, a cross, where, wherever that may meet us. You know, the, the misunderstanding of friends and the, uh, the mockery of friends or whatever it is or, or you're just a radical or whatever they might accuse you of. So be it. Choose Christ. Make it a crystal clear choice that no one has to wonder which camp you're in. Choose Christ. And follow Him with your whole heart. <clears throat> Because there is a recompense of reward for those who will follow God. Moses gives us an example. Uh, Very clear, very simple, very easy to be understood. May we, may we follow Moses in that clear decision to follow God. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, again today we come to you at the close of this service, this message. And again, we're grateful. We have been blessed. We have been encouraged. We have had hymns of praise and worship uh, lifted up before you. We have had our hearts inspired. And uh, we have uh, been able to glean just a bit from the life of Moses. And today again, as we are all here, we ask, Father, that your Spirit would continue to nudge us along on the path that you have for us, each one of us. We are all in different places of our pilgrimage, and you know us each personally, I trust. And, Father, we pray that today's uh, this service could again be a little stepping stone in the right direction for each one of us in our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of the kingdom, in our pursuit of holiness and being what you intended us to be upon this earth. Father, again, we ask a blessing on each one that is present. We ask a blessing on the SMBI choir as they share again this afternoon and and their travels back to Harrisonville. Lord, be with them and uh, keep them in your care. And Father, again, thank you for the freedom that is granted us to gather and worship this way. Thank you for governments that allow us this freedom. And ask again that you would continue to guide those in governments, that they would do your will, and that we uh, would be granted uh, these freedoms if it be according to your plan. So Father, again, we just do uh, thank you, praise you for your faithfulness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.